Tight ends are all the rage in the NFL right now, so we're going to examine the free agent crop and play a little matchmaker today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's got. He's being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One issue, a big thank you, shout out, and welcome to our everydayers. Those of you who make us your first listen every single day, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Joe said, "Tight ends are all the rage." So here we are, and we're going to spend less time talking about this free agent class than any other position on the dock. <laughs> Listen, I, there's some there's truth to that. Like, have you been studying some of the trends with personnel groupings and the uptick in heavy personnel with two backs? two, three tight ends, it's definitely the pivot, right? Like the NFL went spread on offense. Defense has said, okay, we're going to play nickel all the time. We figured you out a little bit there. Offenses are saying, well, here's a bunch of big people. Try to defend them with little people, and you have to be uncomfortable. And so we're very much in this transition, man. Look at these best offenses in the league. 49ers, Dolphins, Ravens, Lions, Bills, Chiefs. They're all they're all 30 to 70% heavy personnel. So, and like, Miami, this is happening. Miami's 21 personnel, so two back. Uh, usage on first down, I think it was 46% this year. You better be able to play some some back tight ends. You got to do it, man. It's part of the deal. We're back. Kansas City on the, the stretch run. They said, what you know what? Did. Everything we are, we're just going to be 13 personnel. We're going to run you over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah our, our offensive tackles stink. All right. right. So we're going to a little help. A lot. <laughs> and we're going to challenge you to play defense. That, like they, the base said, Bills, oh, you're going to play uh, nickel every nickel, single snap? No matter what. Nickel, Eat no matter this. What. That's what they said. Eat this. And they did. So uh, all that to say, this tight end class, however, not great, is slim pickings. And look, tight end's a weird t- position in general because the vast majority, I know we're, we're coming off Sam Laporta doing astounding things as a rookie. The vast majority of tight ends that come into the league, it it takes three, four years to learn how to do the requisite skills at a baseline level when you have to be a blocker and you have to be a pass protector and you have to be somebody who can play in space and detach from the set and run routes and hopefully have a little man coverage upside. Although, you know, that you you look at where tight ends, the vast majority of tight ends get the vast majority of their yards. They are generally speaking big bodies in holes in zone coverage on mm-hmm. But drafting tight ends and them coming in and hitting the ground running, you're, you're seeing some guys that do it, but the vast majority, it's they take a year or two. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to upgrade the tight end position, you say, okay, let's look at this year's draft class. Who do we think we have? Okay, well, 90% of those guys need a couple years. Then you look at the free agency class and you say, oh, okay, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tight ends available who 
played for more than two and a half million dollars this past season or on their most recent contract. And one, two, three, four of them are over the age of 30. (laughs) So it's just this really weird. And I think that's why you see a lot of short-term deals with the tight ends. Generally speaking, because I see a lot of names that were in last year's free agency Mm -hmm. class. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, you look at last year, and it wasn't. I mean, Schultz was a good signing for for Houston for sure, but like, wasn't Hayden Hurst like the big ticket tight end? And that that's not looking strong right now with Carolina. Um, was Josh Oliver got a big deal? Who's going to be the the Josh Oliver of this this class? It's going to get seven million per, and you're like, what happened here? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it. Right, the the top of this is pretty clear: Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett. Noah Fant. I think if you say to yourself, we want a starting tight end, you're looking at those four, and we're going to play matchmaker in segments two and three today for those four guys. Yeah, uh, that that's really where the money lies. Obviously, Hunter Henry got the supersized contract from New England. Schultz signed the one-year deal for six and a quarter uh, from Houston. Gerald Everett played his last contract on, on a $6 million per year contract. And then you have Noah Fant coming off a rookie contract. Yeah. And that's kind of the group of four where there's been receiving production, but there's maybe still some upside. I think Dalton Schultz has kind of maxed himself out between his last year in Dallas and what he was for Houston this past year. But that's kind of the guy that I look at and say, okay, if you want a plug and play at this stage who can be a volume receiver. I mean, he's caught 78, 57, and 59 passes for 18 touchdowns the last three seasons, and then 63 four seasons ago. Yeah. Good. So that's your high floor, fairly impactful ceiling player, I think. Uh, I I think there's lower floor, higher ceiling player in Noah Fan. Yeah. But uh, Hunter Henry, I just think it hit this stage of his career. I'd rather have Schultz as a little bit of a younger player, particularly when you consider how consistent that production's been. Why is Colby Parkinson the sleeper tight end of this group? I feel like I feel like you might believe that. Me? Uh, yeah. Well, Seattle, they had three of them that played. Fant, Disley, Parkinson. Parkinson's 25. Was he's like 6'7", 250 pounds. Oh. Loved like him if, at Stanford. If there's Love a dart to throw for a bargain bin guy, that's probably the one that's the most interesting to me. All right. Now you're going to make me do the thing. Well, the guy who played the most snaps out of any tight end that's an expiring contract is Adam Trout. Yeah. There's no passing game upside there. Right. Which is sad because that's what I thought he would be coming out of college, right? Like you right. felt like there was some receiving acumen there. And it just, the opportunities to play have been there, but he hasn't been a productive pass catcher. It just hasn't. All right. Happened. How about Harrison Bryant? Yeah, you want, to throw, you want to throw a dart at somebody. He's coming off. He's a on that contract. list. He's been behind in Joku, kind of a move piece player, different player than Parkinson, right? Now Parkinson can line up in the slot, but he's also, like you said, a big body guy. Where Bryant's a little bit more of the H back, move flex tight end, two hundred forty pounds. I think there's some upside to tap into there, and he's kind of gone through that requisite learning curve of three, four years in Cleveland. Where I think that's maybe – that'd be a guy I'd be willing to bet on, depending on what I was looking for, too. Are there – what about Charlie Warner here as a guy that played almost 30% of the snaps for San Francisco and didn't didn't have much volume, but – as you think about the spread of Shanahan offenses, is he going to be an attractive player? Because I know that 
you have talked a lot about winning the edge in the wide zone game in that style of offense. Are there blockers here that maybe aren't going to go out and catch 30, 40, 50 balls, but do prevent value as a 30 plus percent of snaps guy that can come in and fill a very, very valuable blocking role. Yeah. I think there's high floor players. I mean, Dude, at the same time, Mercedes Lewis can still go a little bit. He played 40. Kyle Krabs is 40. It's 40. I understand that. But if you sign him on a one-year deal, I'd rather have it than some of these other guys, knowing if I'm going to sign him to be a blocker. Trayvon Wesco is kind of like that too, right? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a name to watch. I saw uh, SpotRack did the all-2024 bubble team, which was veterans who may end up getting cut. Mm-hmm. And the other Seattle tight end was on that list, Will Disley. Oh, Will Disley. Yeah, he's a... He's a mauler. Bro. If if yeah. if Disley hits the market, that's the guy. And he signed a big contract, a surprisingly big contact contract, because he's never really had big time receiving production. I think he peaked in twenty twenty one. Um, but that would be that guy. But the hard part is nobody's really going to trade for that because of the cash that he's owed, and yeah. you'd have to cut him to get him on the market. The Bengals, the Seahawks. And the Patriots, I'm pretty sure all of their tight ends are expiring contracts. Like, literally, for all three of those teams, not a single one's coming back. If In the case of if Disley were to, to go in mm-hmm. Seattle, and they're, they're not, like, tight on cap. They don't have to do that. If, you know, they could bring him back. But talk about some potential big overhaul. Even the Chargers, uh, a couple of their, their guys, right, with Everett and uh, Nick Vanett. I don't think they still have Parham around. But there's, I feel like there's a, a weird amount of like multiple tight ends from one team that could be on the move this year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it with Hunter Henry, but I just, what, what's the merit in marrying yourself to, to a lot of these guys. I think there's so much interchangeability once you get past the first yeah. seven, eight, 12 names. And I think that's what makes it hard is to be like, all right, I'm going to sign this guy for $1.2 million this year, and then he can go, and then I'll sign the next guy for $1.2 million and just keep churning him out. All right. Let's let's play matchmaker. Let's figure out the best fit for guys like Dalton Schultz and Hunter Henry. We'll do that here in just a moment, so be sure to stick with us. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Well, you don't have to because game time's here for you. And it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, all-in prices. They give you a view from your seat and a best price guarantee. I mean, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The app is awesome, easy to navigate. They give you flash deals, which are fun. Plus, when you buy tickets, they send them straight to your phone so you don't have to dig through emails to find them. So snag the tickets without the stress and download the game time app. Create an account and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So we're going to start with Hunter Henry, uh, who is leaving the New England Patriots. New England Patriots kicking off their youth movement. They bid farewell to a couple of veteran players. Uh, what was it, yesterday? They announced uh, Phillips was Adrian Phillips was cut, and they cut somebody else too. And Deonta Hightower is their inside linebackers coach. Kyle yeah, Kansas. you know it's never saw it coming. Never saw time, it coming. Time's flying. Yeah, time is flying. Uh, so Hunter Henry coming off of a twelve and a half million dollar per year average contract. I don't. Does he get half of that this time around? 
you probably have. Probably have. Yeah, I think five, six, six is, seven, something like that. Yeah, it's the right ballpark, and I think that that puts them. It puts him, I should say, into a stratosphere where there's a lot more likable options because you're not looking for a double digit million per year contract. Are you in the AFC or the NFC? AFC. I am also in the AFC and we are going to establish this because we do every time we do matchmaker, you and I have not compared notes. We did this independently. Are you in the East and North or the South and West? East and North. I am also in the East and North. Are you in the AFC North? Yes. So am I. <laughs> okay. You have a one in four chance. And, and somebody did this when we did the uh, the quarterbacks. They said to to have a one in 32 chance of picking, technically a one in 32 chance, and to get the first four in, in succession right. It was like a one in one million odds. Wow. Te- technically a one in one million odds. Look so at us, man. We'll see if we can do it again here. Um, are, did, did you peg the Cincinnati Bengals as the Hunter Henry? Sure Hunter. did, Kyle. Oh, we're one for one. Let's right. go. Let's talk about it. Well, I've already mentioned that all three of their tight ends, Irv Smith, uh, Tanner Hudson, Drew Sample, all expiring contracts. And I don't think they should be overly eager to not try to find an upgrade there. I thought Hayden Hurst was such a nice player for them two years ago. I think Hunter Henry can come in and do similar things and really round out this passing game. I, I think we're probably living in a world where Tyler Boyd's not back. And so I think giving that middle of the field presence uh, in a different way is, is a good idea. And I think Hunter Henry has been a good player in new England. It's just, there's it's new England, right? It's been Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi throwing in the football and it's, it's not been a great opportunity for him. I think putting him with Joe Burrow could lead to a lot of production. Yeah. And I, I think you saw Hunter still showcase some really nice ball skills and some really nice body control in tight spaces, particularly in the red zone. So to have Joe Burrow, who is a guy who throws really, really well to leverage and throws uh, balls in contested situations and lets his guys make plays on the ball, I, I think that's where you can put Hunter Henry back into a really productive role beyond the six touchdowns that he had this year, which is, is plenty productive in itself. Uh, how many touchdowns did the Patriots score this year? Right. I mean, Ooh, you're going to make me look it up. Eh, probably wasn't oh, that many, three, Kyle. Wasn't that many. Wasn't that uh, many. <laughs> the Patriots scored 27 touchdowns okay. this year. 27? Hold on. Okay. Hold on. There's, there's probably some defense. I would be here. sure there are. Jalen Rager had a kickoff return. Yeah. I remember it against the bills. Yeah, well, sure do. Uh, Cody Davis had a one yard fumble return in the win against Denver. That's it. So right, they 25 touchdowns, 25 offensive touchdowns. Hunter Henry had more than 20% of them. Just right. did that math off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, I'm not sleeping on a reunion with Justin Herbert and chargers. Felt like that 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 ended too soon, right? Like I felt like that was such a nice piece for for Herbert as a rookie, and then you know he moves on and gets a big deal, and they you know, flip to Gerald Everett. But like Telesco's gone, it's a new coaching staff. They mm-hmm. need a tight end. If the money works out, and I know that there's a lot for the Chargers to figure out with their cap, I'd love to see him back with Herbert. Time out. Did you see what Mike Florio said yesterday? As about Bosa? No. 
No, what no, you got? He talk, talk about lots to figure out from a money perspective. Mike Flores come out and said he's talked to at least one source that indicates the ca- the cap will be closer to two hundred. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, compared nice. to the two hundred forty-two. Yeah. So if that's factual, you're talking versus everybody's forecast right now, yeah. plus eight million dollars in cap space. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, people right here that are uh, rooting for that to be to be two fifty instead of two forty-three. Be nice to have that go down. Give me all the TV dollars, and the next yeah. year, all the gambling money. And let's go to two seventy-five. We'll three hundred. Right, we'll, let's go right to three hundred. Right to three hundred. We'll be in good shape. All okay. right. So that's Hunter Henry. Yes. Our next tight end is Dalton Schultz. Again, I think we have the same team here. I would you also do. like to. Oh, I, okay. We haven't even done. I predict that we do not have the same team here. Okay. Are you in the AFC or NFC? NFC. Or you're an absolute coward. He needs to go back to Houston. You're right about that, but I didn't want to be. I thought that would be so boring. Okay. Um, filibuster for me. Talk, talk a little bit about what went into your decision making process for the team that they went to while I look at the NFC teams to try and decide if I was going to okay. put him on an NFC team, who it would be. So part of me not putting him back in Houston was Brevin Jordan. Like, I don't know, man. Like, every time he gets some run, he makes some plays. Even when Schultz was injured uh, this year, he came in and had a big monster game. So, not that Houston is cap-restricted. If they want Dalton Schultz back, they should bring him back. And I'm not sure that it's going to be more than the contract that he just paid on. Uh, so, I-, I can definitely see that. But there was another team that, I don't know, I just really kind of felt good about this one. Washington. Yeah, it's Washington. Okay. Um. I just I feel like they need some good minute. players. Dude, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've had some tight. I know Logan Thomas has had his moments, but he's always hurt. I'm I, John Bates is not to me the future of the, the tight end for Washington. But as a team that I anticipate picking uh the quarterback number two overall, and Cliff Kingsbury coming in. And re- remember when Cliff was with Arizona? Like they wanted to figure out tight end, right? Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, like this. Yeah. This felt important for him, right? And I think Dalton Schultz and kind of a what he meant for CJ CJ Stroud as a rookie would be great for whatever player Washington picks at number two. So that was a lot of my of my thought process. Like cap dollars exist here. Cliff has that urgency to have tight ends based on what we saw in Arizona. Them picking the young quarterback and having a veteran tight end for them to rely on. It's totally fair. It's totally fair. Uh, that that said, for me, love what he did in the midst of. We talk about complementary body types and skill sets in a skill group. And you got the big bodied X in Nico Collins. And you got the speedster in Tank Dell. And then you just got this savvy zone squatter. Yeah, and I remember good. that was that was the book on Dalton in Dallas. And why Dallas fans were like, I don't know, kind of had enough of them, right? Like, all he does is sit down in zones underneath. But when you got those dudes on the outside, can continue. And, and I know there was, what, the um, couple plays down the stretch for Schultz where, like, we stepped out of bounds short or something like that. So, like, if, you, if you're a Houston fan and you, you're not over that yet, I would encourage you to get over it because the um, the overall complementary skill within what the skill group is and foiling that with C.J. Stroud and where he had so much success this past year, I think is just a, it's a perfect fit, and I'd love to see it back. 
That that to me feels like uh, what you're describing there, and I I've not really been aware of of this narrative that existed with Cowboys fans. I feel like sometimes we can be victims of our previous experiences with our own teams, right? And like when you come off of having Jason Witten for 20 years or whatever, and him being like one of the best tight ends in the history of the game, it's going to be hard for the next guy or next guys to endear themselves to the fan base. And so to me, that that's all I thought about when you were saying that. And then the other thing I thought of, well, Cowboys fans probably don't have any appreciation for Travis Kelsey because that guy doesn't even run routes. He just literally just finds space. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's part of the deal. That's, that's, there's a skill involved with finding space. Um, so don't, no, don't sleep no on shade that. at Cowboys fans, but I know some of our friends that are in Cowboys media are for overly frustrated with the, the negativity that exists around Micah Parsons right now. So I think that <laughs> tells you everything you need to know, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Send, send them send them somewhere else if yeah you're, if you, yeah yeah go ahead and do that all right what we'll do the same thing here noah fant gerald everett we're playing matchmaker with them here in just a moment so be sure to stick with us get buckets with your first bet on buckets. FanDuel, america's number one sports book because right now new customers can get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar bet that's 150 bucks if your bet wins and you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. They've got football's futures, hockey, whatever sports you like. FanDuel has some action that you can get in on. So just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. We're on to Noah Fant. And the first question that I have to ask you with Noah Fant is what kind of APY market do you think Noah Fant is going to land himself in? So here's the challenging part. There's a lot of ceiling with Noah Fant that intrigues me a ton. I don't necessarily have a body of work that justifies a significantly high dollar amount. Um, how do you how do you how do you justify more than five six million something like that? I don't think you do. It might even be less. And that could make him the best value play here of any tight end. Over the cap has him valued at five and a half million dollars this past season with his play, which I think is right around probably where this contract should come in. I mean, you saw the, the Schultz contract last year, and Schultz has been a more productive player than Noah Fan. Checking in at six and a quarter. So I think there is a ceiling on Noah Fant that makes him probably a feasible play for just about every team out there if they need a tight end. Could be a good value play for sure. In the AFC or the NFC? American Football Conference. I'm also in the American Football Conference. You're in the East and North or the South and West? East and North. I am also in the East and North. Are you in the AFC East? Yes. Yeah, so am I. Miami Dolphins? Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins is my team as well. The um, I've done a lot of research because there's been a lot of questions about what in the heck happened to this passing game down the stretch for Miami. And it's become this whole, particularly with the quarterback contract debate that's going on alongside it, um, it's become a Tua Tungvaloa conversation. And there, there's things about the shortcomings that are Tua Tungvaloa conversations. but. 
the lack of the Dolphins didn't have a single receiving touchdown from tight ends this year, right? And you just want to boil down the impact of the room. It was Julian Hill, an undrafted free agent from Campbell, and Durham Smythe. The Camels. The, the Camels. The Campbell Camels. That's mm-hmm. right. And I like Julian Hill as a developmental tight end. And I think Durham Smythe the last two seasons has done very well to solidify himself as a blocking player. He came out in training camp this past year and said as much. It, it took me six years to relearn how to block. I thought my blocking was my strength coming out of Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I get to the NFL, and I got to totally re- relearn how to do it. But Miami, like all the Shanahan offenses, um, is a very high-volume, middle-of-the-field passing attack. And how they try to foil off of that is they take their shot plays down the field outside the numbers based on safety rotation and leverage and so on and so forth. The lack of a middle-of-the-field target that was not Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell really hurt this group against highly talented corner rooms and very good defensive play callers. And then you get to the end of the season and Hill goes down and misses time. And then Waddle comes, goes down the game that Hill comes back and he misses the final two games, of the regular season. And then the playoff game happens. And I think having a third option, notably one who's a four or five speed guy who has some positional ambiguity would really help unlock and ensure they can continue to play matchups across the board and, and not just say, oh, well, we're going to cloud and, and double your one receiver if your other receiver's banged up or not 100% or not on the field. First of all, let's let's hope the Dolphins don't get Noah fan, right? Nobody, nobody needs to see that level of speed and uh, playmaking ability added to the Dolphins' offense at tight end, right? Um, but no, that's exactly why they should pursue Noah Fant. And I think what I really enjoy about this idea from Miami's perspective is you're not bringing in Noah Fant for vertical playmaking. And I think maybe there's been some lapses with ball skills down the field with Noah Fant. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Don't need it. Got Jalen Waddle, got Tyreek Hill. And I think that puts Noah Fant in position to do more of what he does well and um, can really take something away from those guys that I think is is important. I think the catch and run ability, the athleticism uh, would be a major asset to how they can stress defenses in new ways and really um, particularly your linebackers, right? There's not going to be a lot of linebackers that are going to be able to match up with six four two fifty 250 and 4'4 speed. And so I think he's the, the exact type of player that, that Miami should be looking to add, especially when you consider the value component of the deal. Like we talked about, this is potentially around a $5 million a year player that kind of fits into where Miami's at with their cap position. And I think yep. it'd be a great way to like, that's the challenge when you're tight on cap. I, this is the world I'm living into. Not only do you need to fill holes, but there's, you also want to get better at the same time. I feel mm-hmm. like Noah fancy kind of a guy that can achieve that for Miami. Yeah, for sure. So let's go to Gerald Everett as our last frontier here on the show. And uh, I had a hard time with Gerald Everett finding a yeah. spot that I like really loved. He's coming yeah. off playing for the Chargers. Uh, I do not have bad go- going back to the Chargers. I will say that. I neither. So you're in the AFC or the NFC? AFC. You're in the AFC. Okay. Are you in the North and South or the East and West? Why, why do they do it that way? It's east and north and then south and west. It's the way I've done it the entire time. So I didn't want to do any funny business there. Right. Right. Uh, 
I have it's Southwest. Okay, I'm intrigued. Are you in the South or the West? South. I'm also in the South. Uh, it's not the same team. It's not. Okay, who you have? I have Houston. Okay, you're right. It's not. I have him going to the Tennessee Titans. Ah, you don't like what? Tell why do you hate Chig Conquo, Kyle? I Christ. don't hate Chig, but we went over in wide receivers talking about kind of their pass catching group in its totality, and we just got done saying that um, having multiple tight ends kind of creates some of the personnel matchups, and I think Tennessee has a unique opportunity with. Levis and Tajay Spears and DeAndre Hopkins. If you have two really fluid tight end body types, I think you can really muddy the water as far as what you're doing. And then I look at Cincinnati and what their tight end rooms have looked like, and they've kind of gone after multiple athletic body types of tight ends. So for me, it's it's kind of just trying to read between the lines a little bit and then say, okay, well, let's let's make this strength really a compounding strength with a force multiplier with uh, skills that, that can really make it gray to defend if they're going to go to 12 personnel because you don't have the bodies to go a ton of 11 personnel and really shine right now. Uh, what was that phrase you used? You used a force multiplier? Force multiplier. Yeah, I like that. It was nice, nicely done. Um, well, obviously I, I took away 715 yards of pass catching, uh, the number two receiver for the Houston Texans and put them on the commanders, uh, with Dalton Schultz. So I needed to give them a tight end replacement in Gerald Everett. Um, so that the needs there, the cap space is there. Uh, I thought about the Patriots as well for, uh, Gerald Everett, you know, they, they're going to need something there, uh, at tight end in new England. So, but yeah, it's it's similar similar to you know Slowick is a Shanahan style offense, and and that's kind of I mean Gerald Everett started off with the Rams, right? They was forty fourth pick in the draft, so you could you could see the the urgency there, the the natural fit mm-hmm. there. And um, with me again, me sending Schultz to Washington, I needed to give them a new tight end. Okay, I have one bonus, just one bonus guy today. Okay. Go ahead. Terrison Bryant. He's he's going he's going with Alex Van Pelt to, to New England. I like Don't that. do you just lot. feel that? You know what I mean? And I feel like Harrison Bryant might be a guy that we you talk about sleep. Yeah, I think you did mention did you mention him as a sleeper candidate in this class? Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. It's a good spot for him, right? With the familiarity with Van Pelt and what would probably be a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Uh and the snaps are obviously opening up there as well. Um, I don't expect Brock Wright to get shaken free as a restricted free agent from Detroit, but he's gotten some decent run. Uh, I think if he were to shake free, that could maybe be somebody you asked about blockers earlier in the show, uh, who could maybe fulfill that kind of role for a team as well. That is going to do it for our tight end conversation. It's a lean class, so we stuck both days' worth of content into one. Uh, So we have tackles tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. Another inspiring group. 
but we will look at it in its totality, break it down. Everybody needs offensive linemen, so we'll give that the time it deserves, and we hope you come back and join us. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. We're locked on NFL scouting. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Come on back. See us again tomorrow. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.